0: Hello and welcome to the In For A Penny podcast. I'm Mark Shoffman, a freelance personal finance journalist and I'm joined by my financial planner friend Joshua Gersler who runs an advisory business called The Orchard Practice. Hello. If you'd like to know a little bit more about us you can check me out at www.cavendishcontent.com and josh at www.topfs.co.uk.
1: Each episode we aim to give our perspective on the world of finance and money, and discuss some of the issues that crop up in business as well as everyday life. We hope that you'll learn something from our podcast as well as have some fun too.
0: Hello, it's Mark here. Thank you for downloading our latest episode. On this recording we spoke with a very interesting entrepreneur called Josh Landy who founded a football events business called Play With A Legend. We had a really interesting chat about the things you need to think about when starting a company and the key challenges of building your own brand. And there's so much information packed in there that we have split this into two parts. The first you can hear today and the other will be released in a couple of weeks. So here is Josh Gersler kicking us off with part one. So
1: we're joined today by Josh Landy,
0: entrepreneur and fellow podcaster.
1: And we're just going to have a general chat with Josh about his businesses and life and how he goes about things. Good morning, Josh.
2: Good morning, Josh. Back to you. Two Joshes.
0: Two Joshes and a mark. You feeling left out, Mark? A little bit. I might change my name for today. I've got to tell you actually,
2: I got married last year and had two best men, both called Josh. So we were Josh, Josh and Josh on the day, so
1: that
0: was <laughs> that incredibly was confusing.
1: confusing. Yeah. But your wife managed to work it out? <laughs> <laughs> so you got the right one. Yeah. Good. Thanks. Good. Well well done. So Josh, you um your your main business as I understand it is play with a legend. Do
2: you wanna, yeah, wanna talk bit bit about that? That's what my wife says
0: about spending time with me. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> do you want to tell us a bit it, about it?
2: Yeah, of course. So, uh, Play With The Legend really started almost by accident. I was thinking of what could I possibly do for my best friend Stagg, one of those Joshes that we just mentioned, ironically. <laughs> and he, like me, is a huge football fan, I know, like yourself. And he was a huge fan of a guy called Nigel Winsman, who was an ex-Arsenal and an England defender, for those that aren't familiar with football. And I decided that if I could get my friend Josh, 20 of his friends, and Nigel Winterburn onto a football pitch as part of his stag celebration, that would be like the best thing we could possibly do. So we rented a non-league football ground. We got kits. Um, Ironically, Josh's dad was a referee, so he came down as a surprising referee. And it was a bit like blind date. We were all locked in a dressing room. Everyone's giving me grief that I've miscounted and had odd numbers. And then there is this knock on the door, and Nigel Winterburn comes in, and everyone's faces were, you know, were, were absolutely delighted. This was going back about seven years ago. We're all now in our sort of early to mid-30s. So he was really someone that we all, I guess, idolised growing up, going to watch Arsenal, who had been part of such a successful period of the club. So, so Nigel came and played. We had the most brilliant day with him playing football. Um, one of his former teammates, a guy called Perry Groves, who... Uh, got to do some work with in in my sort of sports TV production work had come down as a favour to me really to play alongside him. We had a brilliant game and then we sat there for about an hour and a half, two hours afterwards having beers and telling us stories about his career. And it just gave me a thought, is there something here as an events company potentially that we could offer? And uh, that was really how it was all born. We've grown in in various different directions to the extent we actually formally started a separate company fairly recently, which is called Bareface Talent, which is more like a a talent agency looking after ex-footballers for media and commercial work. But it all started with play with the legend and that stag from my best friend and to date we've done about um, events with over 120 different ex-footballers. That's everything from those stags and birthdays to renting out Premier League stadiums at the end of a season for companies but all with the idea of how can we connect former footballers uh, with their fans and give them great experiences.
0: So how do you get into that because I, I wouldn't know where to start if I wanted to ring up Nigel Winterburn and say can you come and play football with my mates?
2: Yeah, we. I, I've been working in sports TV production after I sort of finished university. I worked at something you definitely won't have heard of called Sports Tonight TV. It was an interest started actually by a guy called Kelvin McKenzie, who was former Sanders director of Talk Sport. He went and started a, this sports channel, Sports Tonight TV, which was on a Sky Channel that you would only have found by accident. Like, no one would have, have possibly gone and found it. It was like if you sat on the remote when you were on Sky News, you had a chance of going down to 498, which is what we were on. And it was presented by a guy called Mike Parry, who was an ex talk sport uh, presenter, and Darren Lewis and Ian Payne. And every show, there'd be ex-footballers that would, would come on and be the pundits. And I quickly, I guess, became friendly with, with those that were coming in to do punditry and it gave me a little network of ex-players. I also then would start the company with Perry Groves, who, as I mentioned before, is ex-Arsenal. So he was my co-founder. So really, the very start of the company was uh, some of my network, some of Perry's network. And then about a year and a half in, I, I actually bought Perry out of the, the business. It, it didn't make sense anymore that you know, in terms of the, the dynamic of work. So, Perry and I are still incredibly close. He's still a consultant to the company. We we speak every couple of days. Um, but that was how the structure worked. And it's grown incredibly organically. I think there's almost a fraternity amongst ex-players. And that still goes on almost every week. If I, if I need to reach out to someone, I know there's an ex-player who, who will be happy to help because we're, bringing opportunities that might otherwise not come their way. So it's grown incredibly organically from maybe 10, 15 players at the beginning to 20 to 30 to 40. And now, as I mentioned, like well over 100
1: who we've done events with. Do you find these players um, are always keen or do you ever get called someone and they've got better things to do with their time?
2: (laughs) I think, maybe it's particularly the people we started the business with, they really became footballers for the absolute love of football. And it wasn't the finance side of football that was pulling them in. It was that dream, which I think still exists to an extent, of being on Match of a Day, of being the person to, to have the dream of running out of Wembley, like probably all of us, you know, dreamt of when, when we were kids and, and, got, and got, well, I talked to myself, got nowhere near doing. So I think in terms of the beginning of the company as an events company asking x would they like to come and play football with people that idolize them wasn't the the hardest sell in the world of course i i can't lie there are very differing levels of profile we work with and therefore maybe costs associated with the time but that's no different to any industry in terms of finding people at different price points who who may or may not want to work with you I think because the footballers we work with became footballers for the love of it, coming to play football is still a nice opportunity. Obviously, as we've grown and and organised various different work, both here and abroad, then maybe the commercials come into it more because you've got to think a little bit more carefully about are you going to have time away from your family if you're asked to go to Malaysia to do TV for five days or whatever it might be. But on a pure level of do you want to come play football and have a beer? It's quite a nice sell, I always
1: thought.
0: Yeah, sounds good. Are they worried us all about getting injured? Because obviously they're used to playing with professionals who can tackle pro- properly and yeah, aren't going to kick you in the shins constantly.
2: It's a, it's a question that often comes up, actually. And this feeling of, as you can probably imagine, you know, we grew up in North London and we all mix probably your friends like mine, Arsenal and Spurs. And, you know, if you do an event with an Arsenal player, you're going to have some Spurs fan who wants mm-hmm. to kick them or, or vice versa. It worry me a bit. Obviously we have disclaimers in place that everyone has to sign, including the legends as well as as insurance it's not happened that we've had something particularly bad we've we've had as you can imagine if you do hundreds of football events you're going to get someone with a broken finger uh, or a broken wrist touch wood we've never had a a massive injury like a leg break or, or anything like that I think actually what you find is on these events there's a level of respect that goes to the legend in terms of how people want to operate around them. And generally on these events, right, if you're celebrating a 40th birthday with all your friends or it's a stag or it's your workmates and you're playing at a Premier League ground, you're a little bit probably more hesitant than you would be in your Sunday League Cup final just by the nature of the event. So, yeah, touch when it hasn't happened, though. You know, we've been doing events six years. Eventually, something may happen. I guess that's just the way playing any sport goes, right?
1: So t- take us back to the early days with, after that event with Nigel Winterburn. How did you then take it to the next level and over what sort of time frame was that?
2: So to start with, the first thing we did was I was starting the company in, in the February of 2014 and I just thought we need to do almost a launch event and therefore I started looking at what grounds may be available to rent at the end of the season in May to have a target. And emailed loads the clubs the top clubs are not really interested because the commercials don't appeal so they'll give it to their sponsors and their box holders but it's not a commercially available product so basically talking about mid-level Premier League or just above and down and then Champions League one and I ended up on Norwich and it just made viable sense we rented Carrow Road for like a Thursday or Friday morning, I think. So it was even a work day. So it was going to be a challenge. So the idea wasn't really to make money, particularly out the event; It was to roughly break even, but have almost a case study to say what a cool thing we could do. So yeah, Darren Huckabee and Darren Edie. I always tell them it's all down to them. The start of the company, two Norwich legends. They came, they played on the side each week. Had, 15 Norwich fans on either side with them and it was sort of making it up as we went along but you know we had a photographer we had a, a video team come down and out of it we were able to make a promo which then really helped us to go and have some meetings the first breakthrough for us really because what I knew I guess was stacks I'd done um, at that point I'd done two Stags, one for a cousin one for um, one for my friend actually another for a friend of a friend so maybe I'd done three, even four by that point. But I went to all the stag companies and just said, what do you think of this product? And the only one that got back to me and had a serious uh, chat was a company called Chili Sauce, who are pretty much the man united of the stag industry. So I hadn't got anywhere with any of the smaller ones. It all ignored me. And then suddenly the one that would have been the real one you wanted to go for Loved it. And maybe I was fortunate. The guy in the right role at the company was a massive football fan. And he was just like, this is brilliant. And we agreed like a little exclusivity deal. But they did loads of PR for us. And for six months, they they gave it a massive push PR wise. Got us loads of bookings. And that just got us going. And we, you know, we had to work out pricing and we probably got it a bit wrong at first. But you just have to get going. And so much of what we've done over the years has been word of mouth and people telling you they heard about it because someone else did an event and, and everything like that. So the real breakthrough was this company called chili sauce. And yeah, then at the end of the following season, we, we rented six or seven stadiums and we had a much bigger build-up in time to go, well, how do we find fans of crystal palace at walls of uh, West Bromwich Albion, whatever it was. And we also managed to find corporate clients who wanted to do events in those stadiums. So it's been uh Yeah, it's been sort of slow and steady, never taken investment in the company, even though I had sort of a fair few conversations over the years. Um, But yeah, very steady growth, I would say.
1: Good. What would you say are the biggest challenges you faced along the way? Well, I think
2: you face a challenge in doing what I I did, which is not taking investment. Because you, you, you probably accept you're going to grow slower because it means you maybe can't Put that investment into human resource or, or marketing. I think that's more my style. I didn't want to necessarily feel that at the end of every month I had to do a report for an investor and tell them what we've been up to. I'm, I think that just is a bit more about my personality. I don't need to sit here running a, a huge operation, and that comes with with challenges because you do feel like, are we doing enough? You know, could we be doing more? You know, however well you feel you've done there's something telling you, well, why did you not have 10 stadium events in the month of May when you've only got six or seven? So that's been a, a constant challenge. It still, you know, concerns me right now. I'm three months into starting a new company on the talent side. Um, and again, you know, if I look at our competitors, they're all bigger operations with you know, more people and, you know, big HR teams and legal teams and everything that, that would benefit you if you're starting that company. So, um, that's a constant balance. But I think for me, I've always just found if, if you can find brilliant freelancers who are happy to work with you and who you trust and feel a bit like they're involved in the company, even though you might only speak to them once every couple of weeks, to help you on website, design, you know, accountancy, whatever it might be. And I've got so many people I've been working with now for five, six years just to fill in the gaps that we naturally don't have being a, a fairly small team.
1: Okay. And what would you say is biggest failure you've had so far. And what you and what did you learn from it?
2: Interesting question. The biggest failure that we've
1: had. Something um, that went wrong. Gonna have to think about it. Well, I mean, it's, it's
2: the biggest failure. I think I probably learned the hard way about playing in your own events, which was just a hugely embarrassing day. We, uh, I mean, this doesn't sound like a real business lesson, but it, I think it's sort of it, which is that you need to be, be careful. Uh, it, it was an event we had at the King Power. And I'm like you guys. I, I love playing football, right? So four or five years ago, we were doing this event at, at Leicester City a, a week after they'd won the league, which was a surreal um, thing in itself because – One thing you learn about walking into football clubs is they're just normal businesses, really, right? They just have a couple hundred people in the stadium. They've got a marketing HR. It's kind of like a normal business. And Leicester City just won the Premier League title in 2016. And we turned up, me and the three lads who were helping me run the event that day, we had 60 Leicester fans coming. And you can imagine that was an easier sell that year to come play on the pitch at the home of the champions. And someone had rung up about two hours before and basically said they weren't going to make it. You know, wife had had an injury or something that always happens when you've got 60 guys trying to get to one place. And uh, this guy was going to be playing right back, which is my position in football. And I thought, I've got three guys here that can help run this event. Why don't Why don't I play? And they were encouraging me. And about five minutes into the first game, I gave away a penalty oh, that was you. never a penalty. It was like never a penalty. I was pre-VAR VAR
0: as well. You couldn't even VAR it did have video and, and and but for
2: trying to rein myself in maybe I would have demanded the whole event stops and we go and look at it
0: but it was like never
2: a penalty and I really I, I probably didn't deal with it in the greatest way I probably gave the referee like quite a lot of grief and I gave the participant grief for like diving like legitimately but the whole thing was just like looking back hugely embarrassing um and that was like the last time I'm ever gonna play in an event because you feel like you've let down all these people that pay fortunes i probably got a weird dynamic now with someone that's paid good money to come play in this event and I've probably been quite rude to a, to the referee. Uh, but it probably is a lesson there to go do you know what don't mix business and pleasure in a way right like if you're there to to run an event even though I had three great members of staff take a step back this isn't about me or my enjoyment of playing in an event even though it, you know it felt like a great idea at the time so yeah just uh, to not mix business and pleasure I think probably that also lent into that you've got to be careful like for us let's say we have spaces left at events you don't necessarily want to be inviting too many people to to come for free like your clients or your don't mix those people that are paying good money for an experience from someone that's kind of you know a client of yours who you may want to just invite to have a a good time because they'll be really approaching that event and experience quite differently so yeah it doesn't sound like a huge failure but I, I think it gave me an important lesson probably
0: Okay, you mentioned pricing before as well. So how, how do you know if you are pricing your offering right, particularly if you're setting something up that's unique?
2: So hard at the beginning. I guess you do what everyone does, right, and try and understand your costs and then get to a percentage that feels legitimate to worthy of running that event. And I think when I talk about maybe with those early days with chilli sauce, You'd sit there and go, right, what if we make X out of an event? That feels like a good day. And I totally wasn't judging for the amount of time that would go into an event. You know, I think a lot of people do this. They don't think about how many hours goes into making that amount of money. And that's really important, especially now on the talent side. Like if we're signing a long-term deal with a broadcaster, you can think about all the time that might save you from not dealing with it one by one by one that you know is going to benefit the company and why a client might be willing to take a slightly better rate to have security um, locked in so I think what we just generally had to do and it took time is, is really understand how much time is going into our event if an event is going to require someone traveling north to run that event that has to be accounted for that cannot be the same as asking like a member of staff or even a freelance event host to to nip across london from where we're based in north london so i think we've got better at trying to work out what needs to go in to justify what has to come out but on these experiences that you know at stadiums you're almost trying to build a, a money can't buy experience but obviously it can buy it we're just trying to be quite unique in the way that we shape it up um and that's uh and that's a challenge because even today when we get inquiries coming through you will tell you know you might have a day with five inquiries giving five people the same price for something one of them thinks it's the most expensive thing they've ever heard two of them think it's reasonable and one or two think it's quite good value it just depends on on how people look at it it's not a piece of furniture or something like that it is entirely just how much does someone think they'll get from that that experience
1: it's all about value rather than cost i think a hundred
2: percent the biggest compliment we get is is return business particularly when i talk about those stadium events where we not only do that for companies but we'll try wherever possible to have places where you can sign up individually or you and your mate sign up and you just get put into a team and you'll choose your position. The number of people that come back year after year, very, very sadly, not this year because of what happened. So we lost a whole load of um, events, but that's a real testament. Like it wouldn't be uncommon for us. Let's say we've been running an event at St. Mary's, Southampton, for, would have been now our fifth year in a row. I, I think we were pretty much sold out come March when we had to pull it. 60-70% of those people have played before. And that's a real testament, I think, to people's realising the value of how much enjoyment they get from from a single day.
0: So you touched on the pandemic there. And obviously the hospitality and events industry has been one of the hardest hit. How, how have you navigated that?
2: So I do have another company, which maybe we'll just touch upon, which is called Bake With A Legend. So Bake mm-hmm. With A Legend is an events company that organises Baking classes with former Great British Bake Off stars, but really comes from a very similar ethos. Like, could we connect ultimately fans of the show with their baking stars? So between Bake With a Legend and Play With a Legend, it's still going up every week, the number of events we're either having cancelled or postponed. But we're we're past 50 now in terms of both companies of how many events have gone. With Play With a Legend there isn't a viable alternative to doing that online. You can have a Zoom like we're doing now to record this with XWOBLA, but the experience of having that game, sitting around a table with all your mates, having a beer, having stories in a really lovely you know, environment over the summer is something that can't really be replicated. A lot of our events, if they are being done for a company or they've been done for a special birthday or a stag, more than i thought have been postponed rather than cancelled and this week as we record this your recreational football is coming back so we are just starting almost to come at the end of this and people wanting to put in dates for august september and the nature of what we do means that we can do everything outside and do things that are fairly socially distanced like once football is allowed which you know it is going to be now with certain safety measures in place then we can then we can do that so I think also people have been fairly understanding to try and not ask for all their money back if possible and to delay it and that has literally been people delaying 12-13 months from now and us keeping deposits and us not having to pull that money out of venues and and not cancel on the the, the players who, who might have been due to do events. So touch wood, that's been okay on play with a legend, but obviously it means there's no income. I've had to furlough a member of staff who is only back sort of three days a week at the moment. With Bake with a Legend, we turned the business online in April. And I had been so pessimistic. I just thought, who's going to pay to do an online baking class? Why don't they just watch YouTube? And I hugely... Underplayed it, right? And I got it long. I sat there for the three weeks. With, I talked to my friends, and they're like, "Why don't you do it online?" And I've been so negative. And it took an American lady who had been due to come to London to take a class with some friends here in the UK to message me and be like, "Well, we still want to do something. Can we do it online?" And I thought well, it was a great case study. So that was like the first week of April, and it was great. And obviously on Zoom, like we're doing now, it's so easy to record it. You make a little promo video. And we started putting it out and we have done every single Saturday, minimum one, usually two public classes. And we've ended up doing loads of private events. We, you know, just a couple of days ago, did one for Bain, the management consultancy. We did, you know, so we've got a few in the diary for them. And it's opened my mind to the online, particularly for us from America like 80% of our customers that are doing these public classes are in America. And that's one that the show is hugely popular in America. Like the Great British Bake Off is way more popular than the American version. It's shown on Netflix, it's shown on PBS. So we've had all these people in and we knew they were there and what was interesting was last series of the Great British Bake Off and I should admit I'm not the biggest baker in the world and we could talk about that but we knew when we were doing a podcast which was reviewing each episode that went out the morning after that about half our listenership was in America and that was like crazy at the time I was like why on earth we've got like nine million people in the UK and yet the hardcore people that love this show that are listening to our podcast that have found us, that have gone searching for a podcast, are in America. So it's just amazing that, you know, on Saturday, we've not only had Americans, we've had people from Germany, Brazil, Colombia, Israel, Australia, New Zealand, joining these online classes. And long after lockdown goes, they're going to stay. And the real frustration makes you think, why on earth weren't we doing this three years ago? Like all the events we could have done. So there's been a lot of cons in the sense of... um, play with legend and both lost a lot of physical events i think customers have generally been understanding to try and postpone events and it's given me opportunity to start really the third company uh, which is a talent agency and gave me a kick up the ass actually if you can diversify a little bit then you know this is bare talent this is bare talent
1: yeah so you and i first met I was introduced to you as you were Bear. That was your names.
2: Correct. Bear is my uh, my nickname that a lot of friends and family call me. So I thought I would put a bear into this company. <laughs> and I think this company is going to be the one that goes for for quite a while like this is really the, the focus now I've got you know someone great who, who sort of runs a day-to-day of bait with a legend and then we have a load of freelancers if you can imagine in the different locations who can run events and we've got 13 different bakers so that is really a very logistics role of just slotting people in and and someone else externally I mentioned freelancers who does the digital ads and the marketing so it's not a massive operation this for me now but for talent it is my project it's having worked with so many footballers completely freelance to operate work and not wanting to represent people full-time because it's so much work. Now I think we're at a stage where, you know, we, we want to do that. We want to grow that. We are, you know, I'm, I'm 33. The people coming out of the game now are of an age, probably quite similar, you know, 35, 36 and, you know, built up a lot of experience and network of people who, want to potentially do work with ex-footballers, whether that's uh, brands or betting companies or it's appearances for uh, talks and things like that. I'm, I'm pretty well placed and I've got a great knowledge of the life after football. So I want to utilize that. And I think we were always aware that, you know, going back to what we spoke about at the start about footballers wanting to do these type of events there is an undeniable reality that people coming out of the game now, much as they, they absolutely love football, may not be willing to do events at the same price points as, as some of the people who when we started the company, and we 've got to evolve and change, and uh, look we 'll always offer those events i, I 'm really clear on that i 'm not like we 're not going to get too big to like do a, a stag or a birthday, but you know we need to change and evolve, and yeah I'm, I put my, my name bare into into this company.
1: Very good I think you, you mentioned an interesting point there because the the money in the game for players now is completely different to what it was sort of 10 fifteen years ago so do you think there's is a limited lifespan on play with a legend
2: I think there's a limit in some senses about what level of player might be able to come for the entry level price seeking customer. If you can imagine that we get a lot of inquiries and they love the idea of play with the legend, but for some people, even our entry-level price point is quite we end up quite quite a pricey stag or birthday activity. So yes, maybe it is getting harder if people are getting younger to match them with, with someone that suits that price point. But on the flip side, you know, when we're doing events for YouTube, Google, you know, some big accountancy firms, some really great clients Actually, it's, it's kind of all about the name. The name's more important sometimes than the price point. It's like they're only willing to do the event if they're guaranteed a certain name. So I think Play With The Legend as an events company will always have business. That business just might slightly change. But don't forget, we're also, you know, we, we get Cheltenham Town fans or, you know, Bolton fans who want to do events. and
1: Not to pick actually- on Cheltenham or Bolton. They've got lots of legends, surely.
2: (laughs) I'm thinking of examples from not that long ago that we've done. And yeah, you know, those players that maybe they are, like, you know, it doesn't mean that the price points have to be, you know, far away. So, you know, there will always be people that want to do events. There's a load of footballers who, you know, it doesn't mean as soon as they hit 50, they, they can't come and do this. Like this isn't the FA Cup final. I think even a, a 55 year old ex footballer or a 50 year old who's kept in some sort of moderate shape is is more than capable of holding their own against the, you know a group of lads you know they they will they will be absolutely fine so um, i think we we're always going to have to evolve and i knew that and i think we we have like if you're looking probably at the ratio of work we do events to uh what i would call commercial it's probably something like 30% events 70% commercial so that's fine it's growing and you know we'll continue to do both
1: josh you mentioned going online and and bake with a legend online i think a lot of businesses are now realizing the potential of of a wider audience do you see um, yourself possibly expanding into other areas with the legend
2: i've really thought about it and i've got so many domains registered from a couple of years ago where i just spent a couple of hours thinking of various words that could go in front of with a legend Football is easy because I'm passionate about it and I love it. And it's very nice to be able to work on something that you're passionate about. So even if that's organising, you know, a media work or it's an interview with an ex-player to do something ambassadorial for a betting company at the heart of it's still football. With the baking, I'm not passionate about it, but I really do like the business and wanted to move into that experience space that I think you know our generation even the generation below us are very into it's going to do something physical with their time being able to take photos and put them up on their social media to show that they've achieved something and like learn some new skills while they're with us then if I'm gonna go into something else I want to make sure I really believe in it and it's something that um, I, I can get excited about and I can get passionate about so I could definitely see a situation where we add to this. I think it's um, it's not in the immediate future. I wanted to start the talent agency. And I think that's got to you know have have six nine months before I even think about you know what could be next. And you would have to find, in the same way we found someone really passionate about baking and events and logistics to come run that company pretty much day to day. You would you would need to make sure you've got someone passionate about whatever the next thing is but 100 percent online events might be here for for quite quite a long time and even i think back to last week when we were doing events for bain there were people in america there were people in belgium spain holland you know they've got people around the world in their teams, so they're not going to have physical events anyway together even when you're talking about lockdown so to be able to you know move into this space and grow and, and do more is definitely something that that i'll consider and if there's anyone listening who has was a bit like me and thought there is no point to trying to turn what you're doing online i'd say just give it a go find yourself a way to get a case study and and be you know promote it to whatever database you have because you you just don't know what the reaction will be and and i was very pleasantly surprised
1: good great advice um what have you read or listened to recently that's inspired you
2: I I like listening to how I built this with Guy Raz as a podcast. I don't know if you're familiar with it. So that's something that I listen to quite a lot and just you try and listen to a podcast on his level. These are people that have built incredible, successful businesses. I was listening to one on a run yesterday with the founder of Peloton, just listening to the challenges that someone like that is facing, especially during a, pandemic which has possibly played into their their type of business and how you can maximize it like no one wants this pandemic but if it's going to be here how do you deal with it right so yeah that's the main business podcast that I find myself listening to otherwise it's a hell of a lot of football and I'm trying to make sure I I listen particularly if you've got clients who are on the radio or on tv I, I really am trying to 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 watch and you know feel like you're aware of of what's happened on on their shows. So yeah, business-wise how I built this with Guy Raz, I absolutely love. Fantastic guests and it's really well put together. Incredible audio production values. So
0: that's the main thing. And what about a prediction for the FA Cup final? What is the score going to be?
2: Arsenal are going to win the FA Cup final with another outstanding display similar to what we saw against Manchester City. Um, I would predict 2-1 to Arsenal. Are you equally
0: confident? I do actually think we can. It feels like vengeance for the Europa League final last year. And because Giroud was a little bit cocky at the end, it feels like we're a year, well, more than a year on now. And it's, yeah, our time to get our own back. And that will probably come back to bite me now
1: yeah i'm not i'm not feeling confident but i never do so uh, but always hoping for the best
0: that is all we have time for in part one but look out for the next episode where we'll delve into josh's top football legend and also how a businessman manages his own money please remember anything discussed in this program should not be viewed as financial advice but if you do need support please contact me at mark m-a-r-c at dot or visit the orchard practice website at www.topofs.co.uk
1: You can also find us on Twitter at InForAPennyPod1 at Mark Shoffman and at Josh Gersler. If you'd like to leave us feedback, there's a link in the show notes telling you how to do that. We really appreciate any comments you provide.
0: And do post any financial issues you'd like us to cover.
2: Thank you for being InForAPenny.